Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Solve My World podcast. This is your host Joseph Ward. Today we are doing episode 47. I think I'll entitle this Collective Preparedness versus Individual Preparedness. And as you can see, I remembered the episode number this time because I finally wrote it on my show notes. So just making my life a little better. So so today, I the reason why I'm going to talk about this idea, collective preparedness versus individual preparedness, is with the uh, coronavirus that's been going around for a while, I've been hearing a lot of people complaining about how, you know, the government's not prepared for... Uh, for it to happen and and we got caught by surprise and all these different things and it kind of got me thinking on um i know between that and kind of like what we talked about the other day with uh with pricing things how when in times of crisis the prices of things need to change it just kind of got me thinking about how how uh, fragile the system is. I've also been listening to a book called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. And, and that's a very interesting book. Uh, it's, it's pretty radical, but, but it's very interesting, kind of a different perspective on things. But one of the things that he talks about in that book is how, how we should not try to make things resilient and robust. We should try to make things anti-fragile. And so the difference between robust and anti-fragile is something that's robust just doesn't break. But something that's anti-fragile will actually get better when, when it's introduced to stress. And then, of course, there's the other side, which is fragile, and that's when things break under stress. So fragile breaks under stress, robust or resilient survives under stress, and anti-fragile thrives under stress. So obviously we prefer to try to make our systems anti-fragile. That's kind of what the book's about. So really interesting. And so I've been, these ideas have kind of been floating around in my mind. And so I was thinking about the government had really tried to be completely prepared for the coronavirus. What would that have meant? I mean, people have been saying like we should have had so many respirators in stock and we should have had so many uh, uh, masks and so many of these, and we should have been researching more about potential vaccines and things like that. But the problem with this is it's, I started thinking, well, what about every other potential possible catastrophe that could happen? Um, you know, what if it had been, uh, some bacteria thing that just spread completely different and, or what if it had just been some crazy natural disaster? or, you know, war or something or, or a solar flare or, you know, just there's so many different potential catastrophes that could happen. And the reason why they're catastrophes is because we can't predict them. And, and that's another thing that the book talks about a little bit, how the problem with a lot of our prediction models is it's based on past, uh, past reasoning. But the problem is past reasoning, if we look back and say, okay, the worst thing that's ever happened was was this event that happened a hundred years ago? It's like, well, before that happened, the worst thing that had happened wasn't as bad as the new worst thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but but so the idea is when something 
when another the problem with statistics is we look at that and we say okay so statistically this is about how bad something should happen and just to be safe we'll make sure we're good for the worst that's ever happened but what about if it's worse than the worst that's ever happened and uh, and that's like what happened with the um, uh, what was it Fukushima the the nuclear power plant there they had they built it to withstand the worst storm or the worst tsunami they'd ever had but then they we we had that tsunami that came in and it was worse than the worst one they'd ever had and so uh, it was not able to to withstand it and so instead of trying to think okay are we prepared for the worst case scenario i think it's better to think what will happen how can we make sure that when something worse than the worst case scenario happens that we're that's unpredictable and we can't predict it when that happens how do we make sure that we are anti-fragile so that we actually can uh can benefit overall from it now looking at the benefit is kind of uh kind of depends on how you look at it because obviously if you look at something like a natural disaster it's hard to see that you can benefit and in the short term it's definitely not like you know there's lots of destruction and people die and and terrible things happen but then in the long run you know maybe we are able to learn from it or or something like that so and so anyway the whole point of why i'm bringing this up is because if we try to just prepare for, if as a government, we say, okay, let's try and think of what are the potential risks we have and then try to prepare for all the worst case scenarios, then it, it does two bad things. One, we're probably going to be wrong so that, and eventually there's going to be something that'll happen that'll be worse. And then it'll be like, well, why weren't we prepared for that? Oh, I should say three bad things. The second bad thing is that people, it gives people a false sense of security. They're like, oh, it's okay. The government will take care of us, so we don't have to worry about it. So that makes everyone even more vulnerable for when something bad happens because everyone's just relying on the government. And then the third bad thing that it does is kind of just an inefficiency thing. If we have, you know, stockpiles of all these various things, it means there's a lot of waste going on. Like all those respirators they have just in storage uh, could be being used right now, but they're not because they're just sitting in storage, and and they're just getting uh, they're getting uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're depreciating. They're going. Oh, what is that called? Can't think of the word, and now I. I'm thinking about it too hard, so I'm not going to be able to think of it. Uh, obsolete. There we go. Whew. They're becoming obsolete. So so there's just lots and lots of waste of trying to be extra over-prepared for everything. So that's why I think really what we should focus on is trying to focus more on individual preparedness or local government preparedness or even um, you know, small communities, states, per, perhaps even companies like insurance type companies. Uh, things like that, that that are smaller are a lot more anti-fragile because if you have, for example, if you have a small town of a bunch of people, one of those people is probably gonna be extra worried about an earthquake because you know, for whatever reason, they're just worried about an earthquake. So they're gonna be all prepared for er, for an earthquake to happen. And maybe someone else in the town is worried about a pandemic, pandemic. So they 
are all prepared for a pandemic and there's some people that are kind of prepared for a lot of different things and at the end of the day a lot of a lot of the ways you need to be prepared is uh, overlaps based on the on the emergency so for example if you have maybe a few months worth of savings or you have or I should say, and you have a few months worth of food and maybe you even have learned how to grow some of your own food and you've made connections with your neighbors so that you can trade with each other and and uh, and help each other out. Uh, just doing those few things will help you get through almost every disaster. And then maybe you could throw in there having a plan for if you have to leave your house, you know, having like a bug out bag a bag full of like a 72 hour kit that you can you can grab and go and it's got enough stuff that you can be comfortable for 72 hours just having those few things will will basically take care of most emergencies so if everyone in the United States had that then then there's not very many disasters that could really hurt us and even if half the people had it we could help out the other half so and and just think of how much more efficient that is. Each indi- each individual person gets to choose specifically what they think is best, and a lot of those people are going to be wrong, and they're not going to have the correct supplies. And a lot of people are going to be right. The problem is we won't know who's right and who's wrong until the disaster itself happens. Uh, f- just like with uh, with the coronavirus. They at first they wanted to have certain types of masks and then those masks all went out of stock. But then it turns out that they want a different type of mask or and so it changed over time. And so and so there were a few different things, but they weren't able to discover that because they were all focused on the one thing. Whereas if you have millions of people all doing what they think is best, the chance of one of them being right and then being able to spread it to everyone else is much higher. So hopefully that makes it sense. It's kind of like the the power of the crowd. It's like if you ever have heard the story, well, actually, I don't even know if it's a story or how to describe it, but basically the, the idea is if you have a, uh, a guy at like a state fair and he gets a, a steer and brings it up to the front and he asks everyone to guess the weight and they work on it together basically as a group. Everyone's trying to guess what the weight of the steer is. They'll actually get really close to the correct weight because you've got experts out there, but you've also got lay people and, and you've got people that you might not think of as experts, but they, but they uh, for whatever reason, happen to have some insight that, that helps add to the knowledge. And as the people are discussing this, they're able to to get a correct answer much, much more efficiently than if you just had one expert guess. And so it's kind of the same thing. If you have everyone kind of working together, doing what they think is best, and then sharing knowledge with each other, then it helps everyone else, as opposed to having one big, uh, like, committee in the government that has, you know, 10 people on it, and they decide what's right. They might be the 10 smartest people in the world, but but they're still just 10 people, which means there's 10 opinions. And then at the end of the day, they're going to come with one, like one suggestion for everyone. 
and and if they happen to be wrong even by a little bit then the results could be catastrophic whereas if i happen to be wrong with my guess then it's going to be bad for me but if my neighbor guessed right then he can help me out so it's a lot more anti-fragile we all kind of learn from each other and so i think that's why why it's more important for us to focus on helping the smaller groups to be as self-sufficient as possible and not rely on one centralized point of failure. That's just a huge, huge risk, I think. And I think it's an unacceptable risk. And another, another point to this is when we do have, uh, when we do have like stockpiles of supplies, let's say. Let's say they're in warehouses around the United States that are controlled by the government. When they need to distribute it, they can only distribute from those certain warehouses. Whereas if this, you imagine like this stockpile of stuff is distributed between millions of people around the United States, or really around the world, you could say, then then the distribution can happen much easier. People just, whoever has a bunch of it locally can start selling it to each to uh, their neighbors or giving it to their neighbors and 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 it all just happens uh it happens much quick much more quickly and more efficiently and is it going to be evenly and fairly distributed no not necessarily but if we have just a few central warehouses is that going to be distributed fairly and evenly probably not most of the time it it there's uh you know people who people who uh, get first dibs are the people with the most power and and things like that whereas if it's more spread out it's more likely that the average person is going to be able to know someone that can help them so so we're never going to have a perfect solution we're never going to be able to just pin down every potential future and plan for every little thing and so what we need to do is try and think how can we make sure that we're anti-fragile so that when something bad happens our system won't be completely destroyed even if like the state of california does it completely wrong and they just are obliterated from some some uh, unforeseen circumstance if if some of the other states are, uh, happen to have done it a different way and they end up being successful, then they're able to help California. Whereas if we all had done the same thing and we're wrong, then who's going to help us? No, we need to have as many different ideas as possible so that we can have as many different survivors as possible to uh, basically so that we can, uh, our whole, our whole uh, world doesn't fall into chaos. So hopefully that makes some sense. I don't know if it, it seems like it makes sense to me, but it could be one of those things where it seems just like rambling nonsense to everyone else. But uh, if either way, if you have questions or, or thoughts on, on this, again, you can uh, go to my website, solvemyworld.com and leave me some feedback on the form, or you can write a comment on the, on the blog post and let me know what you think about this. So, but with that, I think, uh, oh, well, I guess I will point out, so we'll probably talk a little bit more in the future about what we can actually do individually, because it's great to say, yeah, we should all do it individually, but, uh, but there's, but what should we exact, excuse me, what should we actually do? So the first step, if you're, if you're actually, 
extra interested in this subject, uh, if you go to the survival podcast, that's where I get a lot of my, he's kind of my uh, mentor for, for things along that line, how to prepare for, for different things. But it's also kind of like a lifestyle design show. So it's not just about, you know, how to, how to be prepared for disasters. It's more about how to live a good life in good times and in bad times. So uh, I think that oftentimes I, I like to talk about similar things that they talk about on that show. So, um, so yeah, you can check that show. But I, I will do a show in the future where I talk about uh, my thoughts on how we can be prepared for these type of things uh, in kind of a practical way as much as possible. So that being said, I'll go ahead and end and say this has been another episode of the Solve My World podcast, helping us to design solutions to the problems we see in our personal lives as well as in the world around us. I'll talk to you guys next time.